that's where we are, I want to invite you to James chapter 4 this morning. So penetrating and practical words that come from this writer who wrote so long ago, but those words are relevant, aren't they, to our lives and to our experience. And he's going to so much of the heart of our living, our thoughts, the attitudes, motives of our heart, our words, <laughs> the things we do, um, all of these things that make a difference not only in our lives but in the lives of those closest to us but ultimately in the, the lives of, of those we influence and impact either for good or for ill. And James continues his teaching on how to be in relationship with one another in the body of Christ here in James chapter 4. And it basically comes down to what has become known as the golden rule. Treat others the way you would want to be treated. Or in more classic form, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We saw a little bit last time about the nature and the root cause of these quarrels and arguments in these relationships, they actually come from within. They come from my kind of willful desire to satisfy myself. It's so easy to blame, you know, well, it's because of this or this situation. Or if they wouldn't have done this or because she did this. It's just kind of all this finger pointing. And God, with a laser through this writer, says, listen, here's the root problem. The problem's me. It's my will. It's my kind of relentless pursuit of selfish things. I always want to have my way I, I want things so badly that don't belong to me. That's covetousness. It's also prohibited by God. And it causes all kinds of conflict. And James uses some strong words, but a helpful path back in verse 7 of James chapter 4. He says, listen, submit yourselves then to God. Just come back to him. Bring yourself humbly back to a right place before him. Stand against the enemy and and he will flee to you and then approach God. This is, this is the way back. This is the way to bring peace back into a troubled, fractured relationship is to come back to God. He continues, though, in, verse 11, in verses 11 and 12 with some very practical, powerful, and penetrating kind of encouragement for all of us. This is what James says. Brothers, all of us, brothers and sisters, do not speak evil or speak against one another. The NIV translates the word, and probably rightly so, although we'll talk a little bit about options. Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him um, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James declares, do not speak against one another. He's talking about, of course, our relationships in the body of Christ primarily. He's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. But this would include our neighbors, anyone out there who who has an opportunity to come in contact with the Lord or through the ministry of the gospel from my life. Don't, don't speak negatively or slanderously about 
one another, says James. Don't talk badly about other people you know and who are part of the body of Christ. And I wonder if we could just kind of stop there. This is kind of a series about looking into the mirror. That's what James says. The word of God is like a mirror. And you look into the mirror and it's a perfect reflection of your life. And you've got a choice. If you see something that's off, you can either walk away and pretend as if you didn't see it. That is not respond. Or, as James would say, you can be a doer of the word. You can see it. You can see that it applies to you. There's something off the mark. And you can actually allow God to transform that in your life. That's the idea. So this is a mirror. This passage is a mirror. Don't talk badly about one another. We're looking at the mirror. (laughs) Maybe a a better, more fitting metaphor would be um, some sort of recording. Instead of looking in the mirror, we listen to a chronicle of our conversations over a period of time. Just think about that for a moment. Um, what, what if all of these situations in which we find ourselves maybe at home or in the car on the way to and from church or maybe on the bus or in the hallways at school uh, or, or maybe it's just in our times of ministry together. What if those places were bugged? You know, the little invisible microphone. Unknowingly, we were being recorded. Everything was, was being captured, what we said. Would you be ashamed if someone said, listen, I've got the tape, and I've rewound it, and I'm going to push play? Would you go, whoa, how far back did you go? You know, would you, kinda, would you, would you, would you pause? Would you kind of have a, a, a check? Like, wait a minute. Or would there be a sense of gladness? Would you say, yeah, go ahead, let it roll. Let it roll. That'll be good. That'll be kind of fun. See, that's the question. James is saying, listen, don't, this is the mirror or this is a recording. We want to look at it honestly and not just be kind of hearers of it, but maybe respond. That's the challenge. You see, it's so easy to go down that road. James James know this in in the human experience, in conversation and begin talking against each other, about someone else, in casual conversation. Well, well, well that's, that's kind of, would well, you see what's going on there? Wow, yeah, well, you know, if they would just have done this, you know, that's what I'd have done. I mean, I wouldn't be doing that. No wonder they're getting, you know, just kind of talking about it. James says, don't, don't do that. Or maybe just, wow, did you see what she was wearing? <laughs> Yeah, I did. Can you believe it? <laughs> Man, I mean, I wouldn't let my daughter go to church. And, I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> well, God bless them. But did you know they were having trouble in their marriage? Oh, yeah. And for a very long time, too. James says, don't, don't talk like that about other people, about one another. Don't, don't speak that way about, about people, and especially in the body of Christ. But even, even your neighbor, he's speaking about. People who have the opportunity, possibly and potentially through your life, to come to know God or at least be exposed to his grace and mercy through his gospel, through your life. Don't, don't diminish them by, by things you say because of your own kind of assessment of them or their lifestyle or their, or their acts or whatever it is or how they, they live or what their yard looks like or how their kids behave in public. Don't, don't talk about those things. 
And sometimes it's even worse. That's why some of the translations, and it can kind of go either way, but it certainly applies. The the talking against someone becomes character diminishing, and it turns into what uh, a couple of the translations uh, translate this word into slander. Don't slander one another. Slander is accusing someone falsely. It's not true. Suggesting or spreading a bad report about someone based on hearsay or, or, or some gossipy, juicy report or circumstantial or false impressions. And what it does is, at best, it begins to diminish their character and the way other people might view them. At worst, it can ruin their lives or their ministry. So, so slander is prohibited strictly in the New Testament. Don't do it. By the way, it's illegal in our culture. James says, don't, don't talk that way about people. Kind of develop this little, this pattern of just cynicism and a negative spirit, a critical spirit about people's lives. And and it comes out in your your conversations, your words. But James is talking about all forms uh, of talking against other people. And it has the force of of being judgmental. Now look, let's see here the problem. This is the problem. Because James says, back to verse uh, 11 and 12, he says, when you speak like this against a brother... You are actually judging the law. That is the holy law, the word of God, which is the righteous standard. And you are not living it or being obedient to it. You are actually sitting in judgment over it. Listen, here's the problem. When you talk about someone else, their life, and you talk negatively about them, James says what you are actually doing is you are placing yourself above the law, the law of God. You are saying, I am somehow the one who is able to to judge more perfectly than the actual law of God. I am placing myself above the law. That's the first problem. You are judging that person. You are not actually being obedient to the law. You are not sitting under the law. You are placing yourself above the law of God, is what James says. When you talk like that about other people, when you talk down about them or about their life or about the way they live or dress or act or just, you know, you know what you're doing is you're, you're making yourself better than they, number one, and better than the law of God, says James. But there's a second problem. James says you are, you are not only doing that, you are placing yourself above the lawgiver. <laughs> James says in verse 12, there is only one lawgiver. That, of course, is almighty creator God manifest wondrously and perfectly in the person of his son Jesus Christ who is the ultimate righteous judge over all the earth. So not only when you talk negatively or slanderously about someone else are you placing yourself or your family above the righteous law of God, you are actually making yourself God. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Ever heard the expression, well, who died and made you God? Well, that's the idea. Because I am so free to assess and criticize and even, God forbid, slander someone's character, even though this is not true, there's no evidence that it could be possibly true, and I go ahead and say it anyway, I am actually making myself out to be God over their life. I'm above the law. And I'm above the lawgiver. I am 
the judge. The problem with that attitude, even though you don't even realize that's your attitude, but now you do because of the inspired word of God, (laughs) the problem with that attitude is it doesn't square with truth. Because here's truth. Listen to this. This is what James says. Are you ready? Or you can read it. There is only one lawgiver and only one judge. There's only one lawgiver. He's the giver of the laws. He created them. He he brought them to us in his righteous goodness. And there is only one judge over the law and over all of our lives. So, he doesn't need any more laws. He doesn't need y'all's laws. And he doesn't need y'all to judge. Because there's only one lawgiver and there's only one judge. And he is the righteous creator God of the universe. I told you, these are strong words. But apparently, because of the, the way this flows out, as James was writing it, he was trying to nip in the bud a, a pattern of speaking about one another that was already in place in the lives of these believers. And he's saying, don't do that. Because when you do, you are actually placing yourself above the holy law of God, but you are also very presumptuously placing yourself above the lawgiver and making yourself out to be God, that you are the judge. Now with the second part of verse 12, he he gives an even more kind of indicting kind of concern, and it's something that we all need to keep in mind. He says in verse 12, he describes this judge. First of all, there is only one lawgiver, that is God himself, and judge, also God himself, manifest through his son, the Lord Jesus, and he is the one who is able to save and destroy. That is the character and nature of this lawgiver, this judge. He is the one who is able to save and to destroy. Here are a couple of things that we need to keep forefront in our our minds when we are inclined to speak uh, negatively or slanderously about other people. First of all, the only lawgiver and the only judge is the one who is able to save and he has saved you. That is to say, when he looked down on your life and made his ultimate righteous assessment, he moved in mercy and brought you salvation. He is a gracious judge. He is a merciful judge. And you, all of us, are living evidence of it. That's worth keeping in mind, isn't it? When we're tempted or when we're inclined maybe to judge someone else's life. Wait a minute. The judge, the only lawgiver, the only righteous judge of all the earth looked on my situation, on my sin, and was merciful. He is the one who is able to save, and he did, and I am a recipient of it. It ought to change my attitude towards others. Yes, of course. The second thing James says about this this, this lawgiver and this righteous judge not only is he able to save (laughs) but he is able to take you off your planet and to condemn your soul to hell but he didn't 
but he can. This judge, there's only one judge. He doesn't need any more laws, and he doesn't need all of us to help him judge because he is the perfect lawgiver. He is the most righteous judge, and he is able to both save and destroy. And he did. And he doesn't. But he can. And having that in play makes this last statement all the more powerful in my life. James says, but you? Who are you? Now, the English translations add a couple of English words that are not in the original to, to judge. Those aren't in the original. James just says, after saying this perfect lawgiver, this perfect judge is able to save and destroy, and he did, and he didn't, but he can. But you? Who are you? Who are you? like when God says to Job after all of his pontificating and you know hey Job why don't you sit down and just listen to me for a minute Job do you know where I keep the snow Job hello earth to Job Job do you know where the light comes from do you know where I store it when you don't see it before it comes out? Do you know where that is, Job? Job? I mean, you, you've, been, you've been talking all this time. Job, I'm talking to you. Job, back, back before I formed the foundations of the world and, and put it all in place and, and, and strung the firmament out. Job, do you, do you know how I did that? Do you know what God's saying to Job? Who are you? You. This is penetrating teaching from James. Because this is so easy. This, this comes out of our mouths so easily, so flippantly. And it just, it, it, it's almost in the form of just casual, even jesting. Sometimes this stuff can come out in jesting or prayer requests, you know, whatever. But it, it's, it's not good. It, it's, it's, it's off the mark. Don't talk like this about other people and about your neighbor. Who are you? To judge their life. There is only one judge who doesn't need any more laws. And he certainly doesn't need any more judges. He is perfect in all of his ways. And he's able to save. And he did. And he is able to destroy. And he didn't. But he can. Who are you? Who am I? To judge my neighbor. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he moved towards us. 
Jesus said, don't, don't fear those who can kill the body, but the one who after killing can destroy your soul in hell. Now that's a real judge. That, he's the real deal. Who, who are you? Who am I? Let's just, let's just commit, as we are now looking into the mirror of this section of God's word, let's commit together to say, man, I see that in my life. I don't want that anymore. I'm not just going to walk away and, and pretend like I didn't see it. I want change. Lord God, transform me. Make me a doer of this, this word so that no ill word ever comes out of my mouth that, that diminishes somebody else or, or stands in judgment over their life. Man, I'm so thankful that my eternal destiny does not rest in your hands or your assessment of my life. Aren't you glad that your eternal destiny does not rest in the assessment of, of, of the people in your life or your neighbors, <laughs> right? Wouldn't that, that'd be a bad deal. Our eternal destiny rests in the gracious, merciful, all-righteous, perfect assessment of the only lawgiver and righteous judge of all the earth. And he is able to save and to destroy, and he did, and he didn't, but he is able to and I am here by his grace. Amen. Man, who are you? Who am I? So how do I get rid of this in my life? First, first, if I see it, if there's a blemish, I need to confess it. You see, we've got a path. Confess. John says, confess your sin to the Lord, and he is faithful and just to forgive you for your sins and to cleanse you from all other unrighteousness. See, that's great. It's, it's just we come humbly before the Lord and say, wow, that was me. I've done this. I have a pattern. There's a pattern in my, my family or in my home, or I just have my own kind of sinful way of just kind of talking down about people or being judgmental in my assessment of them. Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. It was about his words. It broke him, and he got it, you see powerful so first just confess your sin just confess it come clean God is gracious he's faithful second guard your mouth better yet here ask the Lord by his spirit to guard it for you David says in Psalm 141 set a guard over my mouth O Lord keep watch over the door of my lips that's a great prayer Put it on your mirror or put it on the cover of your Bible or, or on, on your iPod or right before you. Maybe it should be flash up on your Instagram or your Facebook. Wherever it is that you express, you see, just say, Lord, by your gracious spirit, put a guard over my mouth. Whatever comes from me, keep watch over the door of my lips. That's a great prayer. I don't want to hurt anybody. I want to diminish someone with what I say. Third, hold, let's hold each other lovingly accountable. You can get caught in this, the sway of this. Unknowingly, in the middle of a conversation, someone will go down this road and start, start talking negatively about someone else. Just check them. Hey, you, don't, you don't clock them. Don't grab your purse and walk out. Just graciously say, hey, let's... Who are we? Who are we? 
Who are we to judge? We don't know what's going on in that house. Let's give him a break. It'll be over. Just check him. Just loving. That's, that's part of our responsibility in the body of Christ. Just lovingly help each other, see. Live out this, this, this relationship to Christ and with others. Just who are you? Who, who are we? Let's not go there. Let's not go there. I'm not comfortable with this conversation. No big deal. Just, oh, God will honor that. Finally, keep yourself and your family not <laughs> above the law, <laughs> under the law, under the word. Not over the word, under the word. If you, just be under the ministry of the word of God in your life. You, you and your, your family, your tribe, your, your, your group, the people that you are responsible for. Make sure that you've got a firm commitment to be under the word of God. In corporate experience together, be here, be, be in a place where you can come under the word of God. And personally, privately, you're, you're under the word, you're under the influence of God's word. Because we're not the judge. We're, we're not the lawgiver. We're not the judge. He is. Everything else can wait. Let's come under the word of God and let it flow over our lives. And make, make, make sure that, that we are representing to those closest to us and, and to the world that so needs what we have that we're the genuine item. Brothers, Sisters, don't, don't, don't speak evil against one another. If you do that, you, you, you judge him and, and you speak against the law and, and you judge it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it. You're sitting in judgment over it. There's only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. You are the recipient of his grace and salvation. You are also the recipient of his mercy in that he did not determine that you should be destroyed in hell. So why? Why would you judge someone else? He is perfect in all of his ways. Who are you? Who am I to judge our neighbors? Could we just, in 2015, church, could we just leave that to God? When I was a boy, I heard this expression, and I knew what they meant. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. Whoever said that should be locked away forever. When Jesus started speaking, he spoke to a group of people that had spent all of their days under the harsh, biting, judgmental words of religion. And Matthew says, when Jesus started to talk, they were amazed the grace that just fell from his lips. 
So when people leave a conversation with me or leave a time of serving alongside of me or a lunch meeting or get out of the car just having spent 20 minutes on a ride to and from church or maybe a dinner, wherever, do they leave encouraged? Are they blessed? Are they, are they amazed at the grace that comes from my lips? What about you? Is that Do people leave time with you going, wow, that was cool. I appreciate that. Or do they walk away going, that was weird. That was, that was weird. That, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> oh, well. See the difference? Ha. No more laws. No more judges. One lawgiver. One perfect judge. He's got it. He's got it. Only grace. Only grace. Just grace. He is able to cause you to stand before his righteous throne blameless in his sight. Now that's my kind of judge. Let's pray together.